and welcome to another episode of Convincing Coffee Break with me, Mandy Brown and Richard Snape. Hello, Mandy. It's been a long time. It's been a while. Richard, following on from a, a very recent course that you ran for us on inquiries and how to respond to them, you briefly mentioned solar panels. Can you expand on some of the problems relating to these? Yeah, well, I'll tell you some of the background. Obviously, there's been solar panels uh, installations on, on people's roofs and the side of buildings sort of dwell really on residential here for many years but uh, it was when these feed-in tariffs were introduced um, by the energy act of 2008 back in april of 2010 you had to enter into at least a, a 25-year agreement when, and register with Ofgem. but uh, the, the time period also you know, went down a few years later to enter to at least 20-year agreements and the idea is that uh, you get a tariff based on the energy you produced and uh, that would help you to pay for the equipment you know after a few years and the rest would be clear profits uh, you'd also get an export tra- tariff which uh, basically when there was a surplus of electricity you could sell what you produced through the panels to the national grid usually mid-afternoon just before tipping point that was the idea behind these things and obviously lots of people entered into these agreements the tariffs changed over time but whatever tariffs in place when you entered into the agreement and registered it would apply for the remainder of the term, plus you get an RPI, retail prices index-based increase, every year. Well, the tariffs started to be reduced quite dramatically. You're still entitled to the export tariff, but the feed-in tariffs became a fraction of what they were originally were and eventually disappeared for any you know, new... Uh, well, you couldn't uh, register for a new tariff uh, you know, via off-gen as of April 2019, but they've been reduced quite dramatically before then. And that was kind of the sum of the background. Obviously, large numbers of people who've uh, entered into these solar panel agreements and not all of them by far are problematic, but a few are. And what are some of the issues relating to the installation of solar panels on the roofs of um, residential properties? There's firstly some planning issues and um, building regs issues and the likes potentially as long as the, the, there's a few provisos to it but uh, you're always told that as long as the, the panels don't go beyond the ridge of the roof and they're no more than 300 millimeters in, in depth they're permitted development you don't need planning permission but having said that a lot of local authorities have withdrawn permitted development right so you do need planning permission and if you're in a world heritage site or a conservation area you need planning permission if you can see them from the highway. You'd also need listed building consent. I remember when I lived in Bath, I got a leaflet through the post, you know, would you like to install solar panels on your roof? You don't need uh, you don't need planning permission. It's it was a listed building and a world heritage site in a conservation area. You did need planning permission. I suspect there's a fair few people who do. So that was one problem. There's another issue with building regs. There's only one part of the building regs, part P, which is the electrical wiring that says you definitely need building regs or self-certification. They're a special installation. They're not never exempted. But I think the consensus is that you also need parts A, B and C which is structural safety, fire safety, freedom from moisture. Perhaps I should mention there's a, a, there's a Compton person scheme whereby the person installing can just, uh, you know, just have a good, bit like uh, things like uh, uh, cavity wall insulation certificates and that kind of stuff. That uh, you just register with the local authority and it should show up on your searches. But I have seen problems with properties without sufficient building regs. And I suppose the other one is that... Uh, Lots of people miss because they don't get lawyers involved when they install these things. Is uh, you're probably breaching restrictive covenants, consent to external alteration covenants. There is a uh, uh, whether the damages are are um, 
massive as another matter, but it's something you're probably going to have to take out of policy when you come to sell the property. Oh, very good idea. What are the problems where people have leased out their roof space to sell solar panel providers? Well, this is the real issue. Large numbers of people were persuaded. I suppose the, the, the real heyday of this was between about 2010 and 14 before the tariffs started to be reduced. But they were persuaded to lease out the space above the roof to the solar panel providers. They'd get a reduced energy bill, but the solar panel providers would get the tariffs. A lot of these people have now gone out of business and the leases of the roof space are being disclaimed, which is a problem in its own right. But I mean, the real problem with that is that these are business leases. You almost made your domestic house a mixed business residential property. In fact, you probably have. You uh, come within Section 23 of the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954 for the commercial property lawyers who are listening in. You occupy the space above your roof, the airspace or the roof itself, under a lease, at least partly for business purposes. You've got 54 Act protection. You'd always need to exclude the 54 Landlord and Tenant Act, which perhaps I'll come back to shortly, which means serving warning notices before the uh, solar panel operators, well, before you commit yourself to the lease. And these are people who have not been legally represented when these things were agreed and the likes. I always have my doubts as to how the solar panel operators have uh, entered into excluded leases when they're the tenants who provide the, the notices and the landlords are the homeowners, the property owners. I'm sure if it ever got to court, that wouldn't be a problem. I'm pretty certain these things are not being sort of served satisfactorily, these warning notices. So what do the residential inquiries say about solar panels? We have a series of inquiries. Um, it's um, section 4.6 of the, uh, the TA6 inquiries. And they basically ask you if you have uh, solar panels on your building. And if the answer is yes, there's a series of further questions. There's one is when were they installed? That's so, you know, because whatever tariff was in place when you in- installed and registered with Ofgem applies to the remainder of the term. If when you buy the house, you're buying the solar panels as well, they haven't been leased out to somebody else, you need to know what tariff applies to you. That's why that's there. Then there's a question, are the solar panels owned outright? I've actually come across examples, especially on things like probate sales, where people just don't know whether they've leased out the roof space or own the solar panels outright. Quite legitimately in probate sales, you just refuse to answer that question, I suspect. As you do a lot of questions in probate sales, I have come across people who didn't realise what they were signing up to was actually lease of the roof space. Then you've got a question about has a long lease of the roof or the airspace being granted and if yes please give copies of any relevant documents they give the examples of eg electricity bills and uh, feed-in tariff information so you should in theory be able to as a purchaser know whether you're buying subject to this lease of the roof space which is gonna you know bind you as well you know personally would put me off quite a lot so what's the attitude of the mortgage companies towards solar panels you know, quite, quite early days, the mortgagees were, were sort of clued up to this. It's uh, been changed since its inception, but it's uh, it's Section 5.20 of the um, Part 1 of the UK Finance Lenders Handbook and the Building Society Association, Societies Association, say similar things. They basically ask uh, the questions. They've got a series of questions, and they've actually got a template letter. And in the podcast, I won't bother going through in great detail. You know, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. For instance, this gives you an idea. The person who did the installation, the solar panel operators, would have to be a member of a microgeneration certificate scheme and enter into a 
code of practice for renewable energy suppliers. All the mortgage companies require quite a few other things besides, but the leases to have a break clause. If the mortgage company goes into possession, they can terminate the solar panel lease early. But again, for the commercial property lawyers, even if you've got a break clause, if it comes within the 54 Landlord and Tenant Act, then they can stay put anyway. And so they would want the leases to be contracted out. I have come across numerous leases that have not been contracted out and you can't get the mortgage unless uh, you go through a deed of variation. And sometimes it can be incredibly costly. The bigger problems now is not, actually I'll probably stress this, it's not the granting of solar panel leases which need the mortgagee's consent. It's, you know, it's the subsequent disposal today of creation of new solar panel leases is gone. But it's when you come to sell your property frequently, as I say, on probate sales, elderly people who are worried about energy bills and entered into these things at the doorstep, then they die and it becomes an issue. Well, that's fascinating, Richard. And uh, there's lots of useful content there. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Well, you haven't got solar panels on your roof, have you, Mandy? Um, I absolutely don't. Good. Okay. Lots of, most of them are not a problem. I should stress that. It's uh, certain are. But anyway, there you go. Perfect. Until next time. Okay, thanks. There you go. You have been listening to another episode of Conveyancing Coffee Break, the only podcast for busy conveyancing professionals, brought to you by Lawshore Insurance, the UK's leading provider of title insurance. For more information on our free conferences, go to www.lawshoreinsurance.co.uk where you can download recent conference recordings.